Hello and welcome to Crossover, one man's journey of sobriety while talking about TV. I'm your host, Nicholas Margellos. Each week, I dive into the television canon of two or more television shows. I then watch a crossover event of the shows and I dissect it. And I discover what the crossover means for each show's universe, but also their characters. And I do all of this while completely sober. Today's episodes, Season 8, Episode 7 of CSI Miami, Season 6, Episode 7 of CSI New York, and Season 10, Episode 7 of CSI Crime Scene Investigation. A crossover that will make you take off your sunglasses and say, this crossover is so good, it's a crime. Today with me is my dear friend, Dalen. How are you today, Dalen? It's so nice to see you. I'm doing well, Nick. It is nice to both see and hear you. And I'm very excited to be on Crossover, the premier podcast in which people discuss TV crossovers, sobriety, and all things in between. Right off the bat, Dalen, what did you think of this crossover uh, altogether? It was a real face melter. It took me to Mm -hmm. places that I had long repressed. It made me question the merits of color saturation in any form. Uh, But most of all, it got a certain song by a certain 60s, 70s, 80s rock (laughs) band stuck in my head. It did, yes. (laughs) Um... Are you are you a fan of CSI at all? It's a it's a complicated question. I wish I could just answer it, but I, I really I have to provide so much background. Uh, as I've learned from deeply pondering my past after watching this crossover trilogy, uh, I guess I just used to watch whatever my parents watched on TV. <laughs> With truly I, no input, I suppose I would just sit there from seven to nine p.m on school nights and watch whatever was popular on CBS at the time. Well, I'm grateful this spared me from the likes of the big bang theory. I guess I watched a lot of fucking CSI. Yeah. It's, it's weird that the show is so popular. Uh, cause I, I'll be honest, this, uh, the crossover in general was a bit, uh, of a, of a misfire for me. I think, yeah. um, no, no, no. I think the, I truly idea- terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that is actually CSI cuz I, I mean each show had like its interesting aspects like the some of the art uh the di- the direction of the Miami episode 
I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, At the very, and end. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's all the CSI. There was even like like technology that was uh, very fascinating in the CSI Ooh, Miami. The screens, but then also like the accents in the New York one, I thought were also interesting. Mm, absolutely. And then I don't know. There, we have some pretty great actors in this, and so I was like, well, maybe this is just a bad crossover. Um, cause like, I think the idea of like this giant, uh, country long, like country wide, like manhunt for essentially like this, like secret organization, um, sort of like, it, it's a, it's a cool idea at the, at the core of it. I think it's just very poorly executed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, well, well, we well, embarked yeah. on this yeah. journey. I read the premise for the trilogy and uh, and I, I am referring to these three episodes, the trilogy, to sort of tie in the gravitas of this crossover. But uh, I read the premise, and I was like, that doesn't sound bad. I don't remember these episodes. Let's see if they hold up. I remember CSI Miami being a lot. Like, even teenage me was like, this is just absolutely batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> but I didn't remember it being so much. And I don't think I'd ever engaged with the other CSIs. Uh, strictly a Miami guy. So, yeah. I mean, I was pretty blown away by how this was executed on an episodic level. And yeah. just as a crossover altogether. I mean, really, uh, near the end, I think it's just two individual text messages are are technically qualifying this as a crossover. Right. Oh, I know. Uh, which we can talk yeah. about in detail because those text messages really... Yeah. Uh, were the that high point for me. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's start off with the first episode. It's CSI Miami, a title mm-hmm. uh, called Bone Voyage. And, and we see a young girl, she's fleeing, she's in a car, she's running away. You know, it's that classic opening mm-hmm. of a uh, most crime. A little shaky shows. cam, some granular resolution. I mean, they really go all out with the editing techniques. Then it appears this daughter's mother comes to the police station. And who's there? Of course, it's... Uh, Horatio Kane. Kane? Uh, Horatio you know. Kane. Horatio Kane. Yeah. They call it speed dating. Our victim had 15 dates. Well, you know what they say, Frank. Speed kills. Yeah. It, he uh, And he decides he's going to take uh, the case, of mm. course. And they uh, check out uh, the area. Yeah, of course they're not going <laughs> to say no. They check out the area, and uh, there is a an, another body. They essentially they find they find dismembered parts of a body, like a leg and an arm, I think, something like that. Yes, the leg belongs to the person looking for the arm. I think is something else, maybe mm. something like that, or vice versa. Right. Um, and the leg. Okay, and this is already where it gets crazy. Yeah. The leg has in- plutonium and salt yes. on it. Radiation, <laughs> right like radiation that because that can only oh, <laughs> I know that can only <laughs> fucking stupid. It can only come from Nevada. It yeah. can only be from Nevada. A radiation unique to the deserts of Las Vegas. And so, of course, we call in. Dr. Langston, a.k.a. Lawrence Fishbourne. Unbelievable. For, uh, for, and this also happens 20 minutes into the episode. Yeah. Like, I talked about it for about three minutes, which was exhausting, mm-hmm. but that was like 20 minutes of us going, like, what is happening? Yeah. This is the crossover episode? Yeah. There's just a and lot of And then all of, of a sudden, there's salt and plutonium, yeah. and you're like, oh boy. It's, it's a cold open of 20 minutes. 
It's just where yeah. you're wondering where the title credits are. Horatio finds a leg and he goes, well, it looks like this requires a phone call. And then you finally get the, yeah! <laughs> That's not true, but I wish it was. Yeah, it was close It enough. was pretty close. Felt like 20 minutes. Here's something that I've, I've said in crossovers before, mm. or the, you know, the in, in crossover, the, the idea of what's fun about a crossover is having the characters both not interact with each other's universes, but with each other. Right. And the thing that was kind of a bummer about this crossover is that it's only one character that ever appears in the other shows. Oh, absolutely. It is uh, Lawrence, Dr. Langston. He, he appears in both New York and CSI Miami and that's it. And, and even the CSI uh, crime scene investigation one is no, no one really. There's like talk of other people, but that's yeah. it. So, as far like that idea of a crossover being just one character goes into other places and then the story somewhat kind of continues is I guess qualifications for a, a crossover but it was it was it's a bummer in my opinion I think that's a huge it's a huge it's a huge mark against you I think yeah it was interesting to say like okay Lawrence Fishburne is going to be the through line through these episodes I mean Lawrence Fishburne wasn't yeah. even on the original. A um, couple years of CSI, and it, and it sort of transitioned into Lawrence Fishburne. So it's interesting to have, like, I guess he's sort of the focal point of one of the shows. He gets to Miami, and and correct me if I'm wrong. I think he took a helicopter from Nevada to Florida because it's like they get him on the phone. He took a what? A helicopter. They get him on the phone, and the next cut is him exiting a helicopter. So I don't know if like when you're a part of the crime right. scene investigation, when you have that title, do you like you get a helicopter? Or, did... or does he own it? Does he own this helicopter? Yeah, I mean we never really delve into the does finances me, I mean... of Lawrence Fishburne in this. So yes, I've always, and I have always wondered. Yeah. At this point in the podcast, yeah. I would love to do a quick segment that I like to call Tech Talk. Hello. Welcome to Tech Talk. And it's where we talk about the tech uh, from CSI Miami yeah. and mm. just how batshit crazy it is. Really. Uh, truly batshit crazy. In Miami, there is a scene in which they're just sort of chatting about like how they're going to get about investigating this here crime. And they walk into sort of like a glass room just with screens on every wall. Screens in high color saturation that are showing God knows what. And that sort of like handsome, fresh-faced young man uh, really knows his... Yes. This yes. is what I was interested in. He, he looks like someone... Who, He's like the only one that can be yeah, in there. Right. <laughs> he, he looks like someone who's perpetually like in a gym locker room, like just chatting it up, chumming, never working out, but definitely always in the locker room. And, uh, and he yeah. knows his way around a couple flat screens. Truly stunning technology for... The time period. So essentially they find these like clear chops on these body parts mm -hmm. and they go, all right, well, what's the, the blade? And then who is someone that has this? It's, so it's like a kitchen chef blade. And so yes. they're like, well, let's look up like chefs of course. that have. <laughs> and correct me, but I don't think they like used in... any technology to determine that it was this certain blade. No, it was just like Googling. Yeah. Like, Lawrence I could Fishburne do this was on like, Google Maps. I've like, seen that before. Amazing. 
Um, they're oh, like, nice. who's in both New York or not New York, uh, Miami mm-hmm. and, and Las Vegas. And they find the chef and they interrogate him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they celebrity chef figure out that. Yeah. He's a, ce- yeah, a celebrity <laughs> chef. <laughs> Someone who's never a person who just looks strictly like a criminal. They found the roughest yeah. looking actor they could find. They're like, you're a celebrity chef. He's like, I live yeah. this part. <laughs> he did. And he did. <laughs> he really did. Great actor. And so then here's the thing is that they find out that one of the girls had hep C, which means oh, that no. because he chopped this girl up, he now has hep C, right. which is the, the the only way to figure I mean, you know, that of course is how we figure You're it skipping out. a crucial detail, one that, that truly okay. made me have to leave the room. Uh, not only is it that he, you know, got hep C from the gruesome act of chopping this woman's limbs off. It was right. a strain of hep C that she contracted while abroad. It's a strain of hep C that is only found in Egypt, which is how they were able to tie <laughs> and just without a shred of doubt confirm that it was indeed him who chopped up this poor woman because yeah. she had Egyptian <laughs> hep C. Which is the name of a prog band that I saw in Chicago not long ago. Yeah, I believe that. There's some good bands out there in Chicago. Um, gosh, we're like 15 minutes into this podcast, and we haven't even gotten through the first episode yet. Um, it was the crazy. So what else happens? We figure out there's, – there's also – we have to talk about Jimmy the Pimp. Jimbo. What did you think of him? Uh, another amazing CSI performance. The guy was just living it. Uh, he delivered mm-hmm. all his sleazeball lines with just pure conviction. And he really, uh, really kind of got that look down with like the wet, jelly, damp yes. hair. That guy was yes, a huge the Miami one. pimp look. Mm-hmm. And Horatio, ooh, he loved taking him down. He did. Horatio loves taking men down. We did. So what did we figure out from this episode? We figured out that there's this group. I think, are they named yet? Are they called the Zetas in this episode? Yeah. So this is a crucial aspect in more ways than one to the trilogy. As we find out that both of these heinous men are part of a larger organization. One that focuses on all types of crime. Correct. But is renowned for their human trafficking and the brutality that they put to it. They are called the Zetas. They, they sort of are set up to be the main antagonist of these three episodes. Because as CSI Miami progresses and we take down sort of the two criminals that are associated with the crimes in this particular episode, the focus on the Zetas, I mean, they say the word Zeta like six times in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. It's strong. Yeah, it's added in, in my opinion, a little, it feels like almost like a little last second. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure. I think that, I think the intention <laughs> for doubt. this crossover was to be three individual episodes. And they're like, let's see if we can tie this stuff together real fast. Mm-hmm. Like add an actress here and there and stuff like that. Because it, it does, it feels at in moments very separate. Because we figure out this girl that we started with, the girl that we saw in the beginning of, of, of the episode is like, you know, is dead, is gone. She's dead. And instead, so so, how does the story continue? Well, I forgot to mention that there was this girl oh. who, there's a couple that 
the cops caught and, and they questioned them and and she turns out to not be important. However, the episode ends with her like trying to escape from her boyfriend and her boyfriend, uh, you know, well, she leaves, she leaves a note saying, help me. He's going to kill me. And that like note kind of like just falls on the ground. And we figure out that this girl, well, at least we assume the guy is part of the Zetas. Yeah. Slow motion. Very, uh, artfully done. Um, and, and we're just supposed to assume that someone will, you know, hopefully come in and rescue her. Um, but but now it's like it's this weird thing where we've now we're having to like fall for a new yeah. like we have to like care about this new character all of a sudden. Yeah. Um so so that kind of brings us in and, and so they're obviously headed to New York or or, I, or something like that. How, we get to how do we get to New York? Sweet God, I have no idea. It's a human trafficking ring ran by the Zetas. Right. We are meant to understand their scope is national. There is no limit to their power. And essentially, as Nick mentioned, I mean, you start the episode with sort of an inciting incident with two women. Those two women are mega dead and chopped up. And then this third mm. woman, uh, ooh, it's like Madison, maybe? Madeline? I have no idea. We got be. it. We have to know. It is Madeline Briggs. Madeline Briggs. And guess what, mm. Dalen? Dalen, guess what? She's pregnant. She, she's fucking pregnant. Because CSI always has to one-up um, itself with just the gruesomeness of its premises. It is very, it's very gruesome. Even, I feel like New York, the New York episode, like, really steps up on some of the gruesomeness. Because we we open on this guy who's, like, clearly, like, drinking. He's, like, drinking while driving. You know when you're drunk, you're doing laps in the parking lot and you can't find the exit? Hello? <laughs> some of you make it out to the streets. You know when you're drunk, you're like, you know... And he's like calling his like ex girlfriend, being like, "I'm gonna come over. I don't care. Like, I'm gonna, I'll, like, I'll never hit you again. I swear. I'm so oh, sorry. God. Oh my god." Damn. And so it's this like piece of shit guy, and he he then crashes in headfirst into a semi truck, and the semi truck is a semi truck holding a like one of the girls, and so it's like these like two fucking assholes that like hit each other with their cars. And then, and that's like the beginning of this episode. And then we're like, okay, so she like was in this car, but then essentially, so, and then we figure out the person that was in this car was Madeline Briggs. So that's how, uh, Dr. What's his name? Dr. Oh no. Raymond, Raymond Langston. That's what it is. Dr. Langston. He, that's how he gets called to New York because there's like DNA of Madeline Briggs inside this truck that got uh, crashed into. And so apparently this guy who was driving the truck, who also works for the Zetas is now, um, driving in a car, in a car, um, with, with Madeline Briggs. Here's the other thing about this episode is that it is, it should be titled CSI New York, uh, famous actors wearing bad sunglasses oh, God. because both Lawrence Fishburne and uh, uh, New York guy. What's the New York guy's name? Ooh, He's from Apollo. Gary 15. Sinise. Gary Sinise. And also uh, my, my good friend Horatio Kane. They all have very awful sunglasses. Just tiny um, little sunnies, you know, <laughs> especially Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. who is someone like known for playing a character with yeah. sunglasses. He wears them a lot. And he you're does. like, what is going it's on? It's not even sunny in CSI New York. It's always sort of like cold and sad. 
and everyone's a criminal except for the select few in the CSI organization. A lot of deaths, not a lot of, like, saving moments, you know what I mean? No. Nothing for us to really cheer on because it was all, like, this just gruesome stuff. I mean, New York just what? It's sort of like it... It, it sort of establishes that the Zetas continue to be behind this. Again, a shadowy organization, and all of the players in CSI New York sort of tie into it. And it just further puts along that, like, this woman, Madeline, is going to be the, the emotional linchpin of the third act of this trilogy. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it kind of, it's, it's one long sort of car chase that takes a very long time. And, <laughs> And there's some interesting elements uh, with Dr. Langston talking to uh, Mr. Gary Sinise. Then we finally get to crime scene investigation, and um, oh, it's trying to it's it's trying to like I think it's doing a good job of getting like the actual story back on track. I think um, we see that uh, we kind of open on I think Dr. Langston like showing around a picture of Madeline Briggs Ooh. in in Las Vegas. Yes. He is in the back alleys of the Las Vegas Strip, just holding up a f- picture of a woman and just begging people yeah. for any information. It was one yeah. of the way to open an episode. So then there's this lady who gets killed, and she's like a weather lady, and we're trying to figure out who she it's is. A whole new lady. <laughs> yeah, so we've added the fourth lady now, and we're like, is yeah. she a prostitute as well? She might However, be. she is a, new, uh, a weather lady. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys shows someone else like a video of her and like she like messes up her name in the video. And they're like, I don't think that she could be a prostitute. Yes, it really (laughs) was sort of a sudden. They're like, that's not a hooker. (laughs) It's just like, you're right. Yeah, this proves it. Yeah. In uh, Las Vegas, where the CSI crime scene investigation takes place, they have less screens that they had in Miami, but more hard boiled intuition. So, you know, they sort of counter their lack of just cutting-edge technology with sort of like a general know-how of these streets. Does Lawrence Fishburne's character own strip clubs? Because I think that's mentioned yeah, in the yeah, episode. I, no, that went right over and I also think, I also think that at one point they mention one of the ladies, like, used to be a dancer. Yes. Is that also? That is so true. that one was one of my favorite lines from the episode because... <laughs> It basically all unravels into sort of this very local ring of prostitution and abuse um, that they have to grapple with. They sort sort of drop the whole Zetas thing, but whatever. And yeah, they're they're in this makeshift uh, home where all these prostitutes are almost being held hostage. It's very sort of creepy and psychological. And yeah, the the one hard-boiled female detective is just sort of like, I remember back when I was dancing, I would come out here all the time. And I was like, okay, listen. Yeah. Uh, we So then there's this, you know, there's all this ideas of, you know, like there's a pimp uh, that brought in Madeline, but he found out that she was pregnant. And Ugh. so he like punched her really hard yeah. and she was bleeding a lot and then left. She, she miscarried her, her child. And they try to tackle like the psychology of it all. Because again, it's like, you almost imagine the people watching this are like pearl clutching families, but it's like they really go for that angle and they're trying to explain like why anybody would get involved with this. And they're like, Oh, the pimp, he like, he tells me he loves me that everything's going to be okay. And they try to take like the sympathy angle with all of the prostitutes, the sex workers or I mean, 
They call yeah. them like whores and stuff. Um, it's all like really melodramatic. Um, and yeah, so you meet this guy who who is sort of the central, ba- I guess, like your your stereotypical pimp, and he's beating everybody, and he's but he tells him, "Oh, you're my main girl, and we're gonna move to Hawaii together." Yes. It was. <laughs> Really just kind of uncomfortable without all the fast cuts and flashy color saturation that Miami has to distract me. Like, it was a bit intense. It was, like, very serious and cringy and not fun. Yeah. So at the beginning of this episode, there's even, like, this, like, meeting where all of, like, the pimps hang out, like, at a strip club. Um, But then... And we see this guy with like a It's like a DJ convention, right? Yeah. And we see this like guy in the background, like who's like pointing a camera at him. And it's a pretty famous actor that I've seen in a lot of things. And I was like, Oh, I bet he'll come back. <laughs> and of course he does. He's another pimp and his name is Dimitri. Oh and he's this Russian pimp who is like the 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 anti other pimp that we have whose name is Anthony. And so essentially Anthony gets sick of Madeline and he gives her to Dimitri uh, as like a peace offering but Dimitri doesn't really want her so he like just like sets her free and so now she's like just like out on the street somewhere Um, but but uh, the CSIs like discover uh, a a tattoo that Dimitri uses um, like with his girls it was like some heart or something like that yeah they get into this whole like ecosystem of branding and stamps and like who owns what to like kind of identify yeah or kind of tie these guys into each other. And um, someone has two of them, right? Someone has both Anthony's and Dimitri's, which, which leads them to Dimitri. It's like, it's it's tough, man. And, it's, and somehow the tattoos solve everything? Yeah, the tattoos allow them to sort of make the connection that it's Dimitri who was like the like involved in all of this and was the last person who might have had contact with Madeline. Yeah. So they like... Well, they inform then, obviously, like, New York and Miami. They're like, hey, if you see people with these tattoos, this is what they're a part of. Feel free to arrest them. And so then the techs come in, and the techs are like, hey, just got two of them. Thanks for the tip or whatever. And then you get a text from from New York being like, hey, we also just found one. These scumbags. So, I mean, it's all these shows. They're they're just like they're really – they presented themselves as sort of like – the clear narrative on crime and justice and sort of like a platform for like how law enforcement uses technology. And of course now it's like insanely dated and all of the themes are like a little cringy and uncomfortable. And just after watching all of these, I couldn't help but chuckle. The perfect encapsulation is um, whoever it is in CSI or Lawrence Fishburne holding like this little teensy flip phone and he's looking at his text messages, and he only has two text messages and his entire text history. Right. It's the only two on his <laughs> and phone. And one's from David Caruso and one's from Gary Sinise. And they're both just like, thanks for the info. Yeah. We've uh, made six trafficking arrests since. And it's just, oh boy. I'm sure people at the time were like, the power of communication. It was, a, it was sort of a comic moment looking back. Yeah. So, I mean, the episode then does end with uh, so there was this thing, I forget what it was called. It was called like the Ho phone or something. Yeah. Oh. It's like a text message chain. It's like oh mentioned very quickly. 
in the beginning of the episode. Yes. Again, the leveraging of technology then, for breaking communication. Yeah. At one point, Lawrence Fishbone's like, they use the whole line. And basically all the hoes text yeah. each other when the cops come around and they get up out of here. And I was like, oh boy, that's, that actually exactly. was, <laughs> that's it great. was sort of a, yeah. So Lawrence Fishburne uses the hoe line, which he has a yes. unbridled access it's to. A, it's a text message grapevine. <laughs> just, and he like it's sends a group this text chat. to yeah. every prostitute. And so he's like, please, like, I think he like, he's like, meet me somewhere yeah. or like your mother cares about right. you. He's trying to reach Madeline. Like, please come home. She'll, she'll, um, and, and he, and he does. And, and she goes, how could he, anyone forgive me? And he's like, I believe me, she will. All you have to do is, is come inside. And, um, and I will say, I think out of all of the scenes of this entire crossover, that was like maybe the only scene that like really kind of worked for me. I enjoyed it at oh, least. Yeah. I mean, it was really the only scene where you could be like, oh, yeah, this is how someone would actually talk to another person. Um, it's like in yeah. a parking lot. And he He's presumably going to take her in to reunite with her mother, who's, you know, been worried sick about her. And they kind of introduce her physically in this episode. She has a presence. Um, so how do you, I mean, just looking at it all, the summary for me is like hardly a crossover. Really not well thought out. So I, I, my question yeah. for you, Nick, is how do you think they came about this idea? Do you think because I have a particular uh, theory, but like who and how okay. did this this three episode crossover come into development? Was it planned? I mean, I think there was a version of the of the episodes that did not have uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character going to each episode. I think there was a plan to do a crossover. Between all of these episodes, but they all were separate. You know, as, as far as like no cro- characters actually crossing over, it was just one big bad guy. Um, at least that's my theory, because even some of the bad guys, like they stopped mentioning the group Zeta in in C- in, in, the, in the last episode, like in the CSI investigation. They just start calling yeah, them like. Stop mentioning them all together. They're just like, oh, these are, uh, you know, human traffickers. We got another human trafficker. And it's like, well, what? Hey, I don't know. But that's my theory. What's your theory? In my my working theory is that they had filmed the CSI episode first, and Ooh, and okay. they felt like there was potential to tell a larger story, and sort of like called up everybody last second to see if they could get at all the other writers' yeah. rooms on board, because it's super odd that the CSI episode doesn't mention the Zetas at all. And that the only right. crossover basically is the text. Like, that's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it's, e- it's either that the studio decided that they were going to do a crossover after this episode had finished. And they're like, oh shit, like, let's throw yeah. in a text message and some visual cues. Or that they completely decided, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was not planned out in any way. Like, there was just so little tying them together. Yeah. Um, each week on the podcast, we do a special segment. Uh, we do a little fun game and, uh, I know that you had actually had an idea for what you wanted for what we were going to do today. You actually brought some, an idea. And so I, if you want to just go ahead and take it away, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. So my idea, my game that I definitely came up with well before this is called 50 shades of Fishburne. Okay. And what I have here is a list of Lawrence Fishburne's full filmography. 
I'm going to name okay. one of his co-stars, and you're going to have to tell me of okay. the literally hundreds of things that he's been in. I'm not. <laughs> what the production was. Okay. Are you ready? You know that he was the narrator for TNT. I will not do any anything. Trust me, there are like video games that he did voiceovers for. I will not do anything totally obscure. And I'm gonna throw you okay. just a real easy one first. Okay. So the first co-star in Fifty Shades of Fishburn mm-hmm. is Common. Uh, all right. Um. Uh, Mission Impossible Three. That actually might be true. It. What I was thinking of was John Wick Chapter Two, a true softball. Oh, it was. Okay. 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 I haven't seen them. I haven't seen. It was them. A disappointment. Give me another one though. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna get round. Yeah, because you've got his filmography up. <laughs> round two. What movie did Lawrence Fishburne star in that also included Chris Evans? Chris Evans. Nick. Oh my god, I don't know. 15 seconds are up. Fantastic Four, The Rise of the Silver Surf. <laughs> I knew that mm-hmm. one fucking too. I right there for you, buddy. All right, round three. You are zero for two, but you could come back. Because this one's worth double, right? This is totally worth double. It's right okay. here on my spreadsheet. <laughs> In okay. what film did Lawrence Fishburne co-star alongside Oprah Winfrey? The Color Purple. Oh, he got it! That's it. A round of applause for my live studio audience. Crossover uh, is a podcast brought to you by me, Nicholas Margellis. I'm also your host and editor of the program. You might say I'm a jack of all trades, but don't unless you want the ghouls of Gargamel to haunt your soul. You can find Crossover and many of my other podcast endeavors at soundcloud.com slash crossover. We're also on iTunes and Spotify where uh, I would love for you to post a review. Uh, Dad, I know you're listening. Why haven't you reviewed my show yet? Thanks again to Dalen, my co-host. Thanks a lot. I really do appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for listening. Stay sober, everyone. Boom. Done. Or maybe I started recording.